It's, uh, I got to say, uh, these next three weeks are going to be an adventure together, and we're going to kind of open some minds and, and walk through some things that I think are going to be so helpful for you, and that you're going to learn some things that can radically change uh, the, the way you live and experience life. It's going to be awesome, and I'm just so excited to share everything I've been studying and preparing uh, for you guys. As always, I want to welcome our Boynton campus and everyone uh, who stayed at home, a church at home, because it rained. Uh, don't feel too much guilt, uh, but you should have been here. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's just good to be here about this. So, um, you know, the older I get, and by the way, I'm getting older, like all of us, but the older I get, the one of the things that I'm learning about life is there's just certain things about life that we just are never gonna understand. You, you ever find, like sometimes when you're young, you think you can figure everything out. When you're really young, you think you know everything. And then as you get older in life, you realize there are just things happening that are not just bigger than us, that we just have no explanation at all for. And that these things in this world that we can't explain are actually impacting our life. And I, I don't know about you, but I love science because science to me is fascinating on how you can study and look at all these things kind of happen in this world. But one of the things about science that scientists will tell you is as much as they know, there's more they don't know than they do know. In fact, one of my favorite things to study in science is studying DNA. You guys know what DNA is, right? It's the building block that kind of has all the genetic coding that makes you up. And a few years ago, scientists through all these computers were actually able to unravel DNA and actually study the genetic coding that makes you, you, and me, me, and a cat, a cat, and a dog, a dog, like all of these things. And it kind of blew their mind because as they began to unravel DNA, they began to find that it had, listen to this, over 3,000 pages of genetic information inside of one. DNA molecule. Like, just imagine that for a moment. Like, just thousands, thousands of pages kind of blew their mind. Not only that, they found that there's so much storage in DNA that you could take three 64 gigabyte iPhones and they would fit all that storage into one single DNA, over 215 gigabytes of information. Listen to this. The most densely storage facility, or if you will, or, or capacity of anything on planet Earth and is found in the building block that makes life. And when scientists are asked, well, wait a minute, like, like it's great. How in the world did it get there? Where did that genetic information come from? Like it's great if you believe an explosion created everything, but even if you had mass and energy, where did the genetic code come from? And they actually interviewed Richard Dawkins, who's one of the leading atheists in the world who wrote the book, God is Dead. And they kind of pressed him going, hey, there's a problem with evolution is it starts with all of it there. But how in the world with the genetic information to spawn life actually come in the first place. And do you know what one of the leading evolutionists of the world said? Maybe aliens brought it here. And you know why he said it? Because they just don't know. They don't know. They don't know how something so complex that we can't even recreate it with all the technology we have exists. There's nothing on earth even close to it. And yet we know it's here because we are here and they've unlocked and they've discovered the reality of the magnificence of God's creation, by the way. Right? But here's my point. They don't understand it. It's th there's no comprehension for how it got here and no explanation as well. In the same way, uh, I told you I'm a science nerd, right? So I was studying a little about, about dark matter, right? And, and dark matter is fascinating because no one knows what it is. 
And yet, but physiology or, or, uh, or physicists believe that about 80% of all matter in the universe is made of a dark matter. The problem is dark matter does not emit light. It doesn't reflect light. It doesn't absorb light. In other words, they can't see it. And yet they can look at its impact on other things. And they go, we know it's there, but we can't see it. We can't define it. We don't understand it. And about 80% of everything in the universe is made up of something. We have no idea what it is. Now, here's why I share this is because I think sometimes the spiritual world is just like that. Is that there's something about the spiritual world that we can't see it and we don't understand it and it freaks us out a little bit. I get that, right? And so when it comes to the spiritual world, we can't see it. But let me tell you something, and you're gonna learn this over the next few weeks. It's having an incredible impact on your life. In fact, you are, you are engaged far more in spiritual battles than you will ever truly understand. And we're going to learn over the next few weeks of what those battles are and why it is you're in spiritual battles and you don't even realize that you're in spiritual battles. In fact, Jesus himself said this about the spiritual world. He actually told us that he actually saw Satan, by the way, a real being, okay, not some made up, fictitious, you know, horror movie character, but a real being. He said he saw him cast down from heaven like lightning, that he rebelled against God and he was sent here to this earth, by the way, like a Roman lion seeking to devour and destroy us. Like he's on a mission to take out God's children and destroy the world. And not only did God, Jesus see him, listen to this, him be sent down, a real being. Do you know what the Bible tells us? That he took one third of the angels with him that there was a massive heavenly rebellion against God. And these angels were cast down to this earth, these fallen angels, to wage war on us. And as we're talking about this and we're looking, and I want to open your eyes, I want you to help understand just numerically what that means. Because there is one part in Revelation 5 where John gets a glimpse up into heaven. And he says in his vision that he sees 100 million angels, by the way, after the fall, 100 million angels left looking up and, and is looking up and they're praising God and praising Jesus and giving him glory and honor and praise that we just did, by the way. And he gets this glimpse of 100 million. By the way, that's just one glimpse. We don't know how many more there are, but there's a minimum of 100 million. Well, if 30% or one third or 33% fell, what does that mean? That means there's over 30 million fallen angels that are on this earth striving to destroy you and your family. This is why Jesus, when he teaches us to pray, says, hey, of the five things you're supposed to pray over you and your family, pray deliverance from the evil one. Why? Because he is real and he is raging war against you and me. In fact, let me tell you a little bit about our enemy. We're gonna learn a little more about him next week. But, but a little bit is when Jesus was tempted by him, do you know what he offered Jesus? He goes, I will give you all the kingdoms of the earth. You know why he could give all the kingdoms of the earth to Jesus? Because he was in charge of them. Like, I want us to understand that I get, man, it's confusing and it, it's a little freaky and I don't like to talk. I, I understand that. But if we're actually in a battle against not just one being, but an army of beings that are coming out to destroy us, I think it's time that we get our head out of the sand and we start realizing, hey, if I'm in this battle, how do I win it? And what we're going to spend over the next three weeks is we're going to open your eyes a little bit to the spiritual world that a lot of us don't understand. But we're not just going to open your eyes to the spiritual world. We're going to teach you how to have victory over the battles that you're facing. 
In fact, let me just kind of share with you a little bit because I want you to just see what the scriptures say. Be self-controlled and alert because your enemy, the devil, and his army, they, they prowl around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And what's the thing? So we got to learn to resist him. We got to learn to fight. We need to learn to win and live in victory. Because I'm telling you something, over the next few weeks, your eyes are going to be open that so many of the battles and struggles you're facing in this world that you think are, are physical, they're actually spiritual. That behind the curtain, there's an enemy who's raging war against you. And so many of us are easy, much more easily defeated because we're in a battle that we don't even know we're in and we don't even know how to fight an enemy that we cannot see from a spiritual world that we don't fully understand. And so we're gonna give you some weapons and we're gonna teach you how to walk in victory because the scriptures don't just tell us we're in a battle. The scriptures reveal how to win the battle. In fact, look at this verse, because we're going to kind of start here, and we're going to talk about this chapter a lot over the next few weeks. But I want you to just kind of give you this, this little encouragement, if you will, this little revelation, if you will, before we get into three areas the enemy is going to attack us and how to win those battles. And here's what the scriptures tell us, that finally we need to be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. No matter how big our enemy is, understand something. God cast him down like lightning. It wasn't even a fight. He's bigger. God is bigger far bigger and more powerful than the enemy. But notice what we're told. But we need to what? Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Hey guys, we're in a battle. God is bigger. But because we're in that battle, we've actually got to put on the armor, the weapons, the defense things that God has given us so we can find victory over our enemy. And, I, and this word here is so fascinating to me, that word schemes. Because that word for schemes was actually used to describe as generals would discover ways to defeat enemies. That they would develop strategies to do that. Now what would they do? I'm going to study my enemy. All right, I'm going to find out their weakness. I'm going to find the open doors in the wall. I'm going to find out what weapons work against them. I'm going to find out the time of year. And I'm going to develop a strategy to do everything in my power to take them out. And when it comes to your enemy, what God is saying to you, the enemy does the same thing. And you're going to see this today, that he will choose timing. He, he knows your weakness. He knows those doors that are open in your life. He knows exactly how to take you out. And he's coming after you. So you need to put the full armor of God. And then notice what we're told next. And this is what I want to focus on today. For our struggle, by the way, that word for struggle was used to describe wrestling, hand-to-hand -hand combat. He goes, your struggle, your battling is not against flesh and blood. Now hold on to that statement because I want you to see this. But it's rather against the rulers and authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Once again, you see a second one. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. You see the pattern. Get ready to battle. The enemy's coming, and you need to make sure you're prepared to walk in victory over the enemy, and you need to make sure you put on the armor of God. Now, here's the sentence I want to focus on today, and that's this. He says, for your struggle is not against flesh and blood. Now, why would he say that? He said, because what you're walking through in life, the battles you're facing, you think are flesh and blood. You think they're a person. In fact, you can look at a battle right now, and you can think of a person, can't you? He said, you think your battle, listen to this. He goes, you think your battle is maybe emotional. And you, you guys can name that right now. What is the struggle you're dealing with in your own head? You think the battle is a circumstance. What I'm saying is, you see this? He goes, what you think is that all of these struggles you're facing in your life right now are circumstantial, they're people, they're emotional. But what you don't realize is behind the curtain, 
there's actually a spiritual source to the battles that we're facing. And we face them, and as we walk through them, so many of us are choosing to battle these battles only with physical weapons because we think they're flesh and blood. But in the reality behind the curtain, they're actually spiritual, which means that so many of the battles that you're facing in your life cannot be won with physical weapons or, or just trying harder or wisdom on their own. That we need to learn how to actually use the spiritual weapons that God has given us so we can walk in victory. And today we're going to do a simply this. We're going to start this series out. we got a few weeks on it, but today what we're going to do is I'm going to show you three different ways that the enemy attacks people that most people think it's simply physical, but it's actually spiritual. And we're going to look at the three tools the enemy uses in your life. By the way, these are probably all battles you're in right now that you have no idea are actually spiritual. And then I'm going to show you verses that describe each of these ways the enemy attacks. Here's why. Because in each of these revelations of how the enemy attacks, at the end of each of them, also, I'm also going to give you a tool so you can defeat, a defense mechanism, if you will, to defeat every one of these attacks. That's what we're going to walk through today. So if you're taking notes, this is so important because what you're going to learn is the strategy or the schemes that the enemy is using right now for you, for your children, for your marriage, for your business, for your future, for all of these things. And the first one I'm taking note is this, is that the enemy uses, and this is shocking for some people, that the enemy uses your mind, your will, and your emotions to tempt you and to try to take you out. In fact, I'm gonna show you a scripture that's kind of scary, but I want you to see this, um, and there's a solution for it, but I'm gonna show you a scripture that shows you that the enemy, your spiritual enemy, actually has the power and the ability to put a thought in your head, to make you feel something, right? Um, or, or to make you experience an emotion, okay? So why don't you see this? This is so powerful to understand because when you begin to understand this, it changes how you battle your thoughts, your feelings, and your emotions. And so what we're gonna do, if you're taking notes because you wanna make sure, don't take my word for it, we're going to show you a space in the scripture where the enemy does this. And we're going to see it happen with King David. It's found in 1 Chronicles 21.1. And here's the verse. I want you to, we're going to process it together. That Satan, spiritual, rose up against Israel, God's children. And he, and this is the key word, incited David to take a census of Israel. So let me kind of unpack this for a moment, right? So one day David's sitting there. And he has incited, he has this thought, this feeling, and this emotion, I need to count my army. And yet that thought, feeling, and emotion, where was the source? It was Satan. Now let me explain why Satan uses it as a strategy to take David out. So God knows us very well, right? He created us. He did, he's the one that came up with the genetic coding of DNA. He knows how we work. And one of the things that God knows about human beings are, is that when we have everything we want, when we have all power and all wealth and all authority, that what happens is it can change who we are. Has anybody ever met someone that got super successful and they changed? Anybody ever met that person? Right, right? Because what happens? Because what happens is all of a sudden we don't need God for anything. And because we don't think we need God for anything, we got all the money, we got all the power, we got everything we need, we become self-reliant and we become people that are prideful and arrogant. We think we can get away with anything. We think the rules don't apply. And so God understood that with kings, they were gonna be in a position to have all this power and all this authority and everyone's gonna clamor around them and give them whatever they want. And he knew it would be a danger that could make them fall and fail. And so God actually commanded the kings, it's a fascinating command. And he says, guys, I don't want you to amass a large army. What is he saying? 
I want you to be dependent on me. And no matter rich and powerful you get, I, I don't want you to have an army to defend yourself because I've got 100 million angels, right? I've got my own army and I can defend you. You don't need. But as long as you need me, you're gonna keep pursuing me and it's gonna keep you on the right path. And if you ever get to that point and you don't need me, you might drift, right? This is why how many people here, you don't have to raise your hands, weren't really involved in church or religion and then you face something tragic or you face something scary and you run to God. Why? It's our nature and God understands it. So this is the command that God gave to David. Hey, listen, don't get prideful. Don't get insecure. Trust me. Don't rely on your army. Rely on me. Now, David is sitting there knowing this command. And all of a sudden, David, unbeknownst to himself, gets a thought in his head. Do you think that, that David knew it was Satan? Do you think the, the prince of darkness goes, hey, David, just prince of darkness here. I want you to do something for me. No, David's sitting there going, you know what feels right right now? I think I should count my army. In fact, when he gives the command to do it, his, his own leaders go, David, you don't need to do this. They, they understood what he was doing was wrong, but he ignored them and he did it anyways. And there's an incredible consequence. You can read that for your homework. But here's the thing I want you to see is that there's David and all of a sudden what's happening? He gets a thought in his head. I should count my army. He gets an emotion. You know what? I don't know what that emotion is. Maybe it's insecurity. You ever battle that? Okay, God, I know what you said that I shouldn't count my army and I should rely on you, but I can't see you right now, but I do see my enemy and they got a lot of chariots. They got the new chariots, the upgraded chariots, right? They got self-driving chariots now. They've got all these great things and they're getting big and they're powerful, God, and I don't even know. And I'm just kind of wondering, like, I know you said I can trust you and I know that like, you brought me here and I know you're all powerful, God, but I'm just wondering, can I really trust you with my life? And God, I know I'm not supposed to count the army, but this little compromise, you know, I just want to, just in case you're like busy in heaven or distracted, I want to take matters in my own hand, see what's happening. What is it? And maybe it's insecurity. And there is David in his life just going, I don't know if I can trust you, God. By the way, have you ever had those thoughts? God, I, I know what you say, that if I seek you first, that you'll take care of things, but I, I just, I'm not, I just can't, I just, I'm, I'm, I can't do that right now, God. God, I know I should forgive, but I'm not gonna, like, I can't trust that relationship to you. Hey, God, I know, you, you see what I'm talking about? And yet what's fascinating to me as you look at the scriptures, as David is battling with this emotion, insecurity, this thought, this fear, this anxiety, all these things, what's the source of it? It's Satan. Guys, I, listen, have you ever stopped to think that some of the anxiety and the fear and the, and, and, and the stress and, and whatever it is, insecure, have you ever stopped to think that that's actually a spiritual battle, not just a mental battle? And this is why it's so important to understand how the spiritual world works because we're walking around and so many are held captive and we just go to counseling, which by the way, I love counseling. I think it's so powerful. But we just, we can't constantly simply only attack the spiritual battles with physical means. And what we need to understand here is that thought in his head wasn't actually from his head. In fact, you're taking notes. Here's what I want you to see is this, is that not every thought in your head is from your head. And the reason why you think it's flesh and blood is because it's in your head. And you think, well, it's just my, my mind is broken or I just need to think differently. And what you don't realize is that's actually an enemy planting a seed in your mind to try to take you out, to rob you of joy. Here's the second thing I want you to understand based upon this verse, that's this, is that not everything that feels right is right. Well, it just felt right to count the army. Right? We, don't we live in a world that tells everybody, follow your heart? It, if it's who you feel you are, that's who you are, right? Follow your feelings. 
And what I want you to see is David felt that this is the right thing to do, but it was the wrong thing to do. Why? Because the person or the, the spiritual be enemy was actually putting these feelings, these desires, these thoughts in his own head. And if we walk around in this world and we are so clueless to how the enemy attacks us, then what happens is everything that we feel, everything we think, we don't realize that the way to defeat that is actually spiritual, not just mental and physical. In fact, look at what the scriptures say, because I want us to see this. This is so powerful. Um, you know, it says this, that the weapons we fight with, remember, I'm going to tell you, this is how enemy attacks, here's how you win. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish these strongholds. Hey, the enemy can do something, but you aren't powerless against him, right? He may put something in your head, but you actually have the power to do something about that. For listen to this, for we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. The truth of God is a powerful weapon. And notice this, and what do we do? And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Paul said, let me tell you something about how spiritual the warfare works. Satan may have the power and authority to put it in your mind, but you also have the power and authority to move it out of your mind. So you want to know how to win this? When the enemy puts something in your mind, you have to replace it with the truth of God's word. See that? See, like, you, you might not be able to control the thought for a second, but you can control if you, if you meditate on it, right? You can control if you dwell. See, you have authority over your mind. And what he's saying is, when the moment that comes in, and the enemy's going to use those things, this is why it's so important to know God's Word. This is why you want to memorize, you know, verses for yourself and for your kids. Because what happens is, when all of these thoughts, and by the way, the enemy uses lies and deceit, as it's literally who he is, when he puts these things in our mind, when you have the truth of God's Word tucked in your heart, you can call it out. You can defeat it. You can overcome it because you might be able to not control if it gets in, but you have the authority to push it out and to replace your thoughts with the right thoughts because that's how you need to do battle because part of the way the enemy is coming after you is through your thoughts and your mind and your will and your emotions. By the way, they're all connected. Do you know that? Like, like, see, we can think about something and when you think about that something, what do you do? It creates an emotion, doesn't it? And that emotion and your thoughts begin to birth desires in you. Go to a movie theater and smell the popcorn. Think about it. See the video of it. And all of a sudden you want popcorn, right? And so this is how we work as human beings. And so the enemy knows, hey, if I can get in their mind, then I can get into their feelings, create desires and actions, and I can actually control them. And this is why the first way we defeat the enemy is we take captive those thoughts. We replace the lies of the enemy with the truth of God's word and we take authority over our mind because it's the access point that he uses. So that's point number one, right? Remember, you think it's flesh and blood, but it's not flesh and blood. It's not your mind. Every thought in your head is not from your head. Everything that feels right is not right. And this is why we need to battle spiritually to overcome so many of the struggles that we face. Now, here's the second thing I want us to focus on. It's the second tool that the enemy uses that we don't realize is the enemy. And this is a massively common one. Here's what it is. Ready? Other people. How many of you have been hurt by another person? Wow, a lot of you must not like live in the real world. <laughs> right? But here's what I want you to see. Have you ever stopped to think that the person that hurt you wasn't acting alone. 
That there was actually your spiritual enemy using someone else to actually hurt you. And once again, don't take my word for it. I want you to see this in the scriptures because it's so powerful. Because one day, Jesus has a conversation with Peter and he prepares him for a battle, a spiritual battle against the devil himself. And I want you to notice what you learn from this battle. Listen to what Jesus tells him. He says, Simon, Simon, that was uh, Peter's name before Jesus changed it. Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. Kind of a chilling moment, right? Hey, the prince of darkness is coming after you, Peter. Have fun, all right? But listen to what he says. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And notice the next verse. And when you have turned back, meaning you're gonna mess up, listen to this, strengthen your brothers. By the way, I love the grace of Jesus here. Hey, Peter, Satan's coming after you. He's gonna tempt you and you're gonna fail. <laughs> like you're gonna blow it completely. But I love the grace of God. But after you blow it, get back up and do what I created you to do. You hear that? Why? Because sometimes the enemy's gonna win, but one of the ways that he wins the best is when we stay down and we messed up. Woe is me. God doesn't love me anymore. I'm a failure. And I love the heart of Jesus. Hey, Peter, he's coming. You're gonna fail. But after that, get back up because there's grace for you and I have a purpose for you and you gotta get back up and do what God created you to do. Amen? So that's an important lesson. Now, notice what Peter says. I love Peter's heart. Peter said, uh, but, but Jesus, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. And by the way, it's a true statement because in a few moments, they come to attack Jesus and Peter grabs the knife, runs after, cuts off the soldier's ear, going, willing to go to his death for Jesus. But notice what he says. This is Jesus' response. Um, but Jesus answered him, Peter, I, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, that means between now and the morning, um, you will deny me three times that you even know me. Now let's kind of unpack what's happening. Jesus goes to Peter. Hey, Peter, Satan's coming after you. He's gonna defeat you. He's gonna defeat you three separate times before the sun comes up. So what do we know? That Peter is gonna face Satan himself, the prince of darkness, in the next few moments or hours, and that Satan is gonna defeat him three separate times. Now here's what's so cool. We actually see this event in a few verses later. And you're actually going to get a, a, a witness. You're going to get a revelation of Satan's attack on him. I don't know if you've ever seen the guy with the pitchfork, right? I've never seen the horns, but it's kind of crazy. You're actually going to get a glimpse of how Satan does battle. Because Jesus just declared who it is. Hey, Satan's coming. He's going to fail three times. And we actually get a glimpse of every single one of the failures. You ever seen a demon? Here you go. You ready? Cover your kid's eyes. Here we go. Ready? So a servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, this man was with him, but he denied it. This is Peter. Woman, I don't know him, he said. Do you, got, you see the pitchfork? No. Remember we talked about the devil's schemes? See, notice the timing of this. Right after Peter was warned and was willing to die for Jesus, if you read the story, Jesus actually said, Peter, don't fight for me. And he healed the person's ear. And then he said, take me and did not fight. And he went off to what Peter would think of enemies. And Peter's whole life, he believed that the Messiah was going to come and he was going to destroy evil by overcoming them with violence and power to root all of the evil of this earth. And yet Jesus actually came to defeat the evil one on a cross. And Peter didn't understand it. And so in the vulnerable moment, remember the scheme? In the moment when Jesus didn't meet Peter's expectation, in the moment when the world didn't make sense, when did Satan attack? Right then. And he uses a girl. Now notice the next battle. Remember there's three. 
So a little later, someone else saw him and said, you are also one of them. And now it's not a girl, it's a man. Man, I am not, Peter replied. And about an hour later, another asserted, certain this fellow was with him, for he is, he is Galilean. And Peter replied, once again, and this is the crowd of people, another man. Man, I don't know what you are talking about. And then we have the moment. And just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned. By the way, that's a chilling moment because he just denied Jesus in front of Jesus. And the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. And then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him before the rooster crows today. You will disown me three times. By the way, God's word is always true. Everything God speaks happens. Jesus called this out perfectly. He told him exactly what was going to happen, when it was going to happen. Jesus knew everything that the Satan was going to throw at Peter, and he knew Peter's going to fail, by the way, and he still loved Peter and called him to lead his church. Just understand that statement. I love this. And at the end of this, and he went outside and he wept bitterly. Now, here's the question Did you see the guy with a pitchfork? Did you see anybody with horns? See anybody holding a broom? Any person all dressed in black with 666 on their forehead? No. You saw people who had no idea they were being used by Satan to take out a great and wonderful man and make him do something he would regret for the rest of his life. See, remember? You, you, you think you're resting his flesh and blood, but you're not. Because behind the curtain of these individuals that were coming at Peter and they were saying these things and they were hurting him at the moment of his weakness, they had no idea. Do you realize that? They were probably Jewish who would have hated Satan and they actually loved God. And they had no idea that the enemy was actually using them. He was putting thoughts, feelings, emotions in their head and using them as vessels to actually take Peter out. Why is this so important? We need to understand who we're battling against. In fact, Jesus understood this because um, there was a moment when Jesus was about to go to the cross and he was telling all the disciples, hey, God's called me to actually lay my life down for you and I'm gonna go to the cross and I'm gonna suffer. And Peter loved Jesus so much that Peter's like, no, you're not. No, we're, we're here for you. You don't, you don't have to do this. Your dad would never want you to sacrifice for us. And he's speaking out of what he feels is right and what he actually feels is love. And when he's saying these things to Peter, to Jesus, excuse me, and Peter's saying to Jesus to try to get him to not go to the cross, notice what Jesus' response are. What does Jesus notice? Jesus turned and said to Peter, but who did he speak with? Get behind me, what? What did Jesus understand that we don't? That the, what was behind the curtain of Peter making these statements wasn't Peter. It was actually Satan trying to distract Jesus from doing what he was called to do. Do you see that? Listen to this. He goes, for you are a stumbling block to me. You don't have in mind the concerns of God, but merely the human concerns. Peter, you don't understand what you're doing, but right now the enemy is using you as a vessel. Why is this so important? Some of you need to hear this. Listen to this. What this means is, have you ever stopped to think that some of the human battles that you have, the battles in your marriage, the battles with your children, especially your teenage children, love you, I was a teenager too, I know how it is. Have you ever stopped to think that your battle isn't actually with them? Have you ever stopped to think that what was behind the curtain of the battle that you're facing and all of those issues are actually the enemy using maybe one or both of you to create some of this conflict? Now, why is this so important? See, when I begin to understand this, it changed how I dealt with people that hurt me. 
Because it used to be I was so angry at them and I can't believe them and I would struggle with forg- you know, unforgiveness. But now what I begin to understand is, wait a minute, that what if the enemy was trying to use them as a vessel to get to me so that I would harbor bitterness and unforgiveness? By the, by the way, we learned last week, that's a door the enemy uses to get access to you. And what I need to understand now is, well, I'm not mad at them anymore. You know what I'm mad at? I'm mad at my enemy. Do you know how powerful it is when you begin to understand that your true battle is not with them, it's actually spiritual. And when you understand that it's spiritual, here's what happens, you learn how to fight that battle that way. But here's what else I want you to understand about this. If Peter, who was the head of the church, by the way, Peter, who who would eventually give his life for Jesus, could be used as a tool of the enemy and not even know it. You know what else that I begin to realize? So can I. Can I just, just challenge you for a moment? Be really, really careful what you say and how you treat people. Because if you ever stop to think that the enemy could actually use you, and I'm not saying on purpose, like you would never do it on purpose, but do you really, I want you to understand, do you realize that you have the ability to be used by the enemy to just hurt someone else? I'll never forget this. This was a really hard time for me. There was a, a person that I know that was really, just had this pattern of dysfunctional behavior. I don't know if you've ever been around some of those people before, but everywhere they went, from job to job, to relationship to relationship, there was all these problems this person would, would come into. All this conflict, all this, this brokenness. And so one day I actually brought him to my office, there was a few of us, and we sat him down. And I remember saying to him, and these are all statements I said. I said, hey, I believe in you and I don't believe what everyone's saying about you is true. Like, I believe that God wants to use you. I think you have a good heart. And and I really believe that God wants to use you to do incredible things in your life. But, here's what I said. But I think there's also some truth to some of what they said. And I think there's some, and this is the key word, brokenness in you that I want to help fix And I want to help God fix this in you. And I want to help you and I'll walk you through it. We'll actually help pay for counseling for you. Like I want to help. Why? Because I believe God wants to do great things in your life. But this pattern follows you from work to work and relationship to relationship. Well, I didn't think anything of it. And about three months go by and I'm having this conversation again, just following up. And we've had a couple conversations since then. And all of a sudden this guy opens up. And what he opened up was, is this. Of all the words of love and affirmation, and by the way, I had no conflict with him. I was trying to help him. He had conflict with other people. Of all the words of love and affirmation I spoke, all the hope I spoke, guess what the only word he heard I say? You're broken. And for three months, he said, it wrecked me. And he was in tears and he broke him. And I, and I sat there in that moment and it, it hurt me. I felt so awful. Because once again, I'm not saying it wasn't true. But what I began to understand was how the enemy can use you when you're not careful on every word you speak. See, what I didn't understand was how, how much this individual dealt with rejection in his life. I didn't understand all the baggage he was bringing from other places. And so that word wasn't filtered through our relationship. That word was actually filtered through all the other relationships in his life. And even though it was spoken in love and everyone else in the room, no one else felt there was any type of you know, negative things going on. It's the only word he heard. And here's why I say this, be careful. Dads, be careful. Because one of the things I've had to learn with my, my, my position, if you will, is that my words carry a little more weight than other people's words. And you know what I realized with dads, so do yours. 
Be careful what you're saying, because I know with all of your heart, you would never want to be used by the enemy to put something in a child, to put something they're gonna struggle with, or in your wife, and I'm telling you something, the words that you speak, the enemy could use you, so be careful. Weigh them, think about them, pray about them. Don't let them just flow off of your tongue. Why? Because there's power in your words, and the enemy uses people to do his bidding, and you don't wanna be that person, right? So what have we learned, right? You don't battle against flesh and blood. Because the enemy uses people and the enemy uses your mind, your will, and your emotions. And the final thing, we'll be quick with this one, is this, is the enemy also uses circumstances. So think about this for a moment, and we're gonna talk more about this in a few weeks. Um, but, but when you think about the moment of Peter's failure, when you read the Bible, you know what you discover who orchestrated all of it? Satan. That you can actually look at the, the scriptures and they tell you that the enemy uses open doors. We're going to learn about open doors and how to close them soon. But he used open doors in the religious leaders' lives. And he uses pride and jealousy in the Pharisees to begin to go, hey, we got to figure out a way to ruin this Jesus and all of his followers and make their life a living hell. And let's gather up all these people and begin to stir up culture against them. And then the enemy used an open door of greed with Judas. And he leveraged these things and he used the greed of Judas and the jealousy um, and the pride of the Pharisees to create a culture of people that would create the environment for Peter's failure. But at the end of the day, who orchestrated all of it? It was Satan. And you're gonna learn more about this, so I'm not gonna spend a lot of time, but I'm telling you something right now. Some of you are facing circumstances that look like physical mountains in your life, but what you don't realize, they are the enemy trying to destroy you and take you out. And because the enemy put them in place, hard work alone is not gonna get you out. You're gonna have to have to use spiritual weapons, which is God and prayer and other things. We're gonna give you some more to in this theory to overcome some of the mountains that you face. I'm just telling you right now, listen, some of the battles and the obstacles you're facing are spiritual. And the good news is God is bigger than the enemy. And you know what God did that night when, when the enemy was orchestrating all these things to destroy Jesus and destroy Peter and to kind of take out the move of God on earth? You know what God did? He redeemed it for good, didn't he? And Jesus went to a cross to defeat Satan and he restored Peter and Peter became the leader of the church. And what's so beautiful and encouraging about that is no matter how dark it looks in your life, God spiritually and his hundred million angels and all of his authority can give you victory over the battles you're facing. And so here we go, remember? You're, you don't wrestle against flesh and blood. You've not just been given physical weapons. Because some of the battles you're facing, once again, are in your mind. And that's an entry point. Sometimes God uses people, or the enemy uses people, and sometimes he uses circumstances. And we've got to learn how in each of these situations begin to rise in victory over our enemy. And so next week, we're going to talk a little bit, in the next few weeks, we're going to talk a little bit about who our enemy is. And by the way, when, we, when I open your eyes to some scriptures of what Satan actually did in the Bible, your mind will be blown on the power that Satan actually has. He is far bigger than you realize. But the good news is God is far bigger than you realize as well. And I'm just telling you right now that, that God has authority and you have authority over him. And we're gonna look at how big he is, but how big you are with the authority of God. We're also gonna kind of look at um, some doorways that he, we kind of, we don't even realize we open up that the enemy cannot do things in our lives, by the way way unless we open doors, but some of us have some open doors and we're going to learn how to close those doors and what some common doors are to kind of give you some strength to walk in victory over him. And then we're going to learn ultimately how the, the, the Bible tells us something we can do to make him flee from our lives and flee from our kids and, and kick his butt. And then we're going to talk about that as well and give you some things. But here's what I want to close with this week, right? Here's what I want to close with this week, right? Because we got a lot to cover. It's a lot, I know. 
And then what I want to close this week is just challenge you this. One of the weapons God's given you is prayer. I don't want you to undervalue the power of praying together as a family and praying together. When, when Jesus would face Satan, and you can read this in the Bible, I think it's Matthew 4, and he's gonna go to the desert and Satan's gonna offer him the world, all the kingdoms on earth. He's gonna offer him everything the world could offer. He's gonna offer them what takes out so many other people. What did God have Jesus do before he faced Satan? Pray. 40 days, he fasted and prayed. And Jesus kicked Satan's butt, by the way. Now, when Peter was about to face Satan, what do you think Jesus told Peter to do? What's the weapon? Listen to what he says. Right before Peter failed, right before, when Jesus said, hey guys, Peter's coming. He's coming tonight. He's gonna come after you. You're gonna fail three times. But I want, I'm still praying for you. I wanna give you the tools to find victory. What was that tool? Listen to what Jesus asked Peter. Hey, watch and pray. Why? So that you don't fall into temptation. So you don't let the enemy win because the spirit is willing. I want you to hear that. But the flesh is weak. The Spirit is willing to fight battles for you. And so right now, I want to challenge you over this week. Pray about the entry points in your mind. What are the battles in your head that the enemy often uses in you? Is it anxiety? Is it fear? Is it insecurity? Is it anger? Is it, what is it? Take captive of it. Replace it with the truth of God's Word. Pray that God gives you strength and revelation. Use the authority God's given you to kick those thoughts out of your head. That's an entry point of the enemy. Okay, is it a person? Here's what I challenge you. Pray for them. Remember Jesus, love and pray for your enemies. Pray for those, like, like, why? Pray for them. Why? Because what if they're not your problem? The enemy is using them. So, so fighting with them isn't going to win the battle. You're going to have to fight for them by praying for them. And if that person's in a relationship with you, don't just pray for them. Pray with them. And lastly, what battle, what's the circumstance in your life? Begin to seek God for victory over that. Because at the end of the day, there is power in prayer. And you're going to learn this over the next two weeks even in a greater way. We do not have to walk and live this life a victim to our enemy. We are not powerless against him. We actually have authority over him. And it's time we learn how to live that out. And the last statement I want to leave you with is to remind you is this. At the end of the day, you, your children, that you are a spiritual being in a spiritual world doing battle against a spiritual enemy with spiritual weapons. And we've got to take our head out of the sand and go, I just don't understand it. It freaks me out. It's fine. Instead, we've got to start going, I've got to put the armor of God on. I'm going to put the armor of God for my family and my kids on. And we're going to go to battle and we're going to defeat this enemy, which, by the way, Jesus went to the cross so we could. And that's what we're going to be the next few weeks. You do not want to miss. Let me pray for you. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the weapons that you've given us. God, open our eyes. And so many of the battles that we're facing in this world are not simply flesh and blood. There's more to them. And God, give us the strength and the wisdom to fight these battles spiritually, that we can walk in victory over our enemy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.